Hi, it's Brett Cowell, and this is the Total Life Complete Podcast, coming to you today from the home studio of DJ Louisiana Red. Welcome, DJ Louisiana Red. All right, all right. Good morning to you, uh, Brett. Uh, Total Life, man. Just glad to have you here at my almost surroundings. My pleasure, and there's lots of interesting stuff around here that I want to take a look at after we finished with our recording today. And hopefully today we'll talk about the blues, uh, public radio, community, and and whatever else comes up along along the way. So the first question I ask all the guests is, how do you introduce yourself at a party when people ask who you are? Well, I just let them know that uh, I'm just an old country boy from the great state of Louisiana, you know. I mean, just, you know, what you see is what you get, you know. And uh, I'm just... uh, Louisiana Red on the radio, and that's who I am, you know, just a a country boy that loves blues and soul music and a touch of Zydeco, and I try to mix it up every week when I do my show, just like a bowl of gumbo. Let's talk a little bit about the show to start off with. Um, you know, what can people expect that, that may not have heard of the show? And, you know, it's been going it's been going a while now. So, yeah, about 20 years. So it's about 20 years. So so what what sort of things can you expect? Well, if you tune in to my show uh, on Tuesday mornings, uh, you can expect to hear, you know, what I call grown folks music. You know, and it's a combination of, you know, the older blues, you know, with the guys like, you know, Willie Dixon and, uh, you know, and Muddy Waters and, John Lee Hooker and all those guys, you know, because I grew up listening to that, you know, and O.V. Wright and, you know, Johnny Taylor, Tyrone Davis, those guys. But uh, we got another segment of music that has developed, uh, what we call uh, Southern Soul, you know, and Soul Blues. And uh, it's for modern day people. I do Zydeco on my show, you know, because being from Louisiana, you know, and everything, you know, something you can get up and dance to, you know, and you know, sort of like if you got the blues, the Zydeco will make you lose the blues, right. you know. And I play a little a little bit of gospel, you know, every now and then, you know. So it's it's just like a pot of gumbo. It's a lot mixed up in my show. It's not defined. It's just one thing. You know, we do R&B mornings. That's, that's the segment that we're in. But I play everything, you know, a little bit of everything, just like gumbo. So how did the show start? How did it come about? And, and you well, uh, well, some years ago I had a nightclub in North Dallas. Uh, it was a place I rented out to do parties, basically, but it helped. You know, it turned into evolved into a regular party place, you know. And uh, KNON, uh, you know, I was advertising on KNON, and uh, they had a slot that came available. And uh, they asked me if I was interested in it, and everything is history, 20 years later. I found out about your show uh, actually by borrowing my wife's car and, and, and dialing through the, the radio stations, and she dialed into a show maybe five or ten years ago. She okay. had this car for a while, and and, one of the, and it was on Friday initially, right. which was uh, which, uh, Christian, another DJ there. Right. And, you know, moving from I've got – satellite radio in, in right, my car right. smaller i had threw my bike in the back of, of her car and went off to white rock lake to go cycling which is not far from where we are now right um heard christian's show and and left it on KNON since and oh, we'll, okay we'll talk a little bit about public radio again in, right. in, a, in a second but um your your show came around i was i was uh, listening in in the mornings right. around and it was like a um, something from another world, in, oh, okay. and I mean that in right. completely the best kind of way. You right, know, it right, was right. completely different from right. the the sanitized right. on repeat show. And right. um, so I, I know a few things that I liked about it was just very different about the format of the show. I mean, what, what do you think has been the secret of the success of the show? Well, uh, like I, I I tell other people, you know, that uh, got shows, you know, and. And uh, they worried about their ratings or whatever, you know. I mean, just just find out what what makes you comfortable, the music that makes you comfortable, you know. And uh, you know, you you can build your listener base by paying attention to what people call in and request, you know. And you highlight those songs, and you make sure you play that music that the people are interested in, because I find out as being a DJ, you got music that's personal to you that you like to listen to, but when you're playing for other people, you know, well, you wanna, you wanna satisfy as many people as you can and, and just be natural, you know, don't try to act like 
Steve Harvey or, you know, or, or somebody else that hosts a big time radio show. Just be yourself, you know, and let it flow. You know, that's what I find that works for me. And I'm a people person. I love to talk, love to talk to people, you know. And I mean, sometimes I go in grocery stores, you know, and people hear me talking and they, you know, just, you know, I don't know if you lose out of red, you know, the one on the radio. And I say, yeah, that's me, you know. So it makes me feel good. I guess that's why 20 years done went by so well. There was another question I was going to ask about whether people um, recognize you by your voice. Oh, yeah. when you, it's very oh, distinctive. Yeah, yeah uh, they do. Around the place yeah. and they come up and say hello. Maybe we'll talk about DJing a little right. bit. Um, you've been doing it for a while. How has DJing changed from then to Well, now? it's changed a lot, you know, because we used to, you know, have to load equipment, heavy equipment, you know, and that'd be pretty strong and in shape, you know, unless you had a helper or something. But uh, you had to tote a lot of equipment around, you know, uh, uh, amps, speakers, you know, mics, you know, just a whole PA system, you know. And uh, it, it was quite a bit of work, you know. And uh, if you were good, you always had gigs lined up one after another one and everything, you know. And you could have your price, you know, because, you know, how good you were, you know, your, your reputation, you know, and everything. But now today with uh, all the technology, you know, uh, everybody that got a laptop now, uh, say they're a DJ. If they got some music on it, they say they're a DJ. But what I view as a DJ is quite different, you know. You, you got to know a, a lot about the music you play. The artists have history on the people, you know, and you know, just relate, you know, and, and be very informative, you know, about the music that you play. I mean, anybody can push a button and play a song, but do you know the history on the song, the history on the artist? You know, all the people I play, I try to find out who they are, you know, how long they've been doing what they do, you know, and why they got started, you know, because I want to get at the information that I have to my audience. Music is, it is a soundtrack to people's lives, but there's stories behind it oh, and yeah. people behind oh, those yeah. Um, yeah. as well. It's like you have to dissect the song, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you put that song on, you know, I mean, a lot of people just listen to the beat. But if you really listen to the music for the story behind it, that, that's what I like. There's something about it, DJ, you, you know, started talking about the superstar DJ and the cult of a DJ as a rock star. So it's kind of a look, look at me right, uh, right. kind of thing. Whereas I, I uh, what you're explaining is something much more in tune with oh, yeah. what the audience wants and to try yeah. and... So what's your objective as a DJ, whether you're playing in a, in a club or on the radio, is that different? Oh, yeah. It's, it's very different from playing uh, uh, in a club because what, what makes the, you know, like uh, the radio where people... You know, people, uh, you you know, you're not looking at your audience, you know, but you know they're there, you know. Whereas with a club, you're looking at the people, you know, and you, you can sort of gauge what, you know, if the people move in a certain way, if they snapping their fingers and moving their feet, you know, well, they into what you're playing. But if they just sitting there uh, not paying you any attention, you know, and, you know, like a man and a woman stepped out for the night, they're having a few drinks and, they never look up at the DJ, you know. Well, you ain't doing that. Right. You know, so you got to change you got to change the music, make it change, you know, and try to, you know, put something on the what make them engage, you know, whether they get up and dance or they just snap their fingers, pat their feet. Sometimes they sing along, you know, and all that. That's that's a club DJ. Or, you know, if you're doing a family reunion or something like that, you play songs that make people wanna get up and dance and just joyous music. Versus the radio, you're trying to get inside people's head because you can't see them. So when that phone rings, you know, and they let you know or they go on Facebook or whatever social media and talk about how well, you know, that you do your show, well, that, that's what makes you want to get up every day and do what you do, you know, because the people let you know, you know, whether you're doing a good job or not. And that's what I gained from it. That's how I gauge, you know, my audience, you know, they, they'll let you know. So you still get feedback through different channels right, right. Uh, when you're on the, on the radio right. too, but uh, you're kind of taking them on a journey, I guess, and trying to get inside their head. To, right, um, right, right. Very interesting. So one other thing I thought about the show, I mean, you, you do shout outs to, oh, uh, yeah. to people oh, uh, yeah. as well, and that's... Uh, yeah. 
that's a cool thing as well. Was that has that always been a feature of the show? The oh, shout yeah. outs. And- oh yeah, yeah. Because you want to show the people, you know, like you were saying about, uh, uh, you know, like public radio or nonprofit radio. You know, uh, what we do is we take what we call uh, pledges, you know, or donations, you know, because we are, you know, a, a, a nonprofit and everything. So we have to. Uh, solicit people for donations and you know you want to make sure that you giving the people something you know because they they taking money away from what they could be buying something for their grandkids or their kids or something for themselves you know and they making a donation to not only the radio station but to your particular show so i i developed the roll call thing was just to show the people that support what I do, appreciation. And and everybody love to hear their name on the radio. You know, and once they get used to it, you know, they say, well, I'm good for three months, you know, and uh, they be looking forward for the next pledge drive, you know, because they, you know, some of these people, uh, we have made them become, you know, just legends, you know, because they pledge to the show religiously to variety shows, not just my show, or, you know, but they, but just by calling their name and what part of town they in. You know, now when we have functions, we have a, a benefit or something and they come to the benefit. Well, what I do when I'm hosting the benefit, I let it be known that this person is in the house. You know, this is the person that I always pledge and support my show and having to stand up, let everybody see who they are and it just, it's just, it's a lovely thing, man. It's just like a big family reunion, you know. And I found out that people really love that, you know. So the roll call is a big thing, yeah. It's something that I notice and still notice. I, I listen to your show regularly when I'm when I'm around in the car right. at that time. And uh, I, I think it's really good. We talk on this show a lot about community, and I, and right. I think... Um, the moment I, I dialed into public radio, all of a sudden I felt like I wasn't in some sort of generic corporate office. <laughs> right, that, right, right, I'm like, these people right, are talking about right, events and things going on in the city that right, I've got no clue right, about. I don't right, know who these people are right, or what these events or even these right, venues are, right, but there's a lot happening right, and people are excited about it. So a new world opened up to me in public right, radio. Um, right. Although a familiar one, I think we were speaking a bit earlier that, you know, I'd been on public radio 25 years ago right, and, and right. been a, a club DJ, which a, a few people know for a period of time. And, um, you know, that was certainly at that time that was around electronic music, right. but a very um, uh, tight community of people that listened to that because that oh, was yeah. not the mainstream music at the time. And, right. and even though I guess people have got so many choices now that they can get music on demand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they still listen to public radio. Why is why is that? Well, it, it's it, it's the relationship. The, I mean, it, you know what we do. It, it it makes you feel like that uh, you have a personal connection with the DJ. You know, I mean, it's like this is your DJ. You know, I mean, you're not listening to satellite radio. Used to be was I seen satellite radio change. You know, where it's just Music, music, music. Now they're playing a lot of commercials and everything, you know. And, you know, uh, some of them even have people come on and talk. Now they have DJs to come on and say a few words and everything. So I think that came about because of the personal relationship that we have with our audience, you know. So we're not losing. we we really gaining. We're gaining more people, you know. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of public radio stations, you know, they they falling because they're not keeping up with the time. But we try to make it personal, you know, and uh, I think that's what gives us, you know, the edge and and our longevity. You know, the, we've been around and from the way that people supporting us still don't look like we're going nowhere. Very good, very good. Um, and there's an aspect about the music as well, um, getting access to. You know, I think the great DJs, and you, you've kind of mentioned this a little right. bit already, but, um, you know, they're reading the crowd and and maybe not always playing right. the most popular song, right. but finding right. a new track right. and breaking down right. and somebody that they've never heard of, the audience right. has never heard of right. before and, right. and getting them to, to know yeah. and love that. Yeah, and people 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 really like that. Uh, just speaking of what, what you just talked about, uh, 
I, I played a song uh, a few days ago, uh, and uh, it was a song by a gospel. It's like gospel R&B type mixture, because uh, these people don't, you know, they they do a lot of, you know, up tempo stuff, and the song was called, uh, you know, a lie. And, and and the story behind the song was that a lie, everybody want to tell about a lie. They spread a, a lie like wildfire, you know. And and, and it was like uh, a lie can can catch a rat, but the truth have to walk, you know. So it's hard for the truth to get around, but it's very easy for a lie to get around, you know. Cause everybody tell a lie, look like the lie is more interesting, you know. And the truth, who wants to hear the truth? You know, I mean, that's where most people look at it. But just the concept, when I played the song, I played it years ago, you know. But when I played it a few days ago, man, the phone lines lit up. Everybody want to know who that was and what's the title of the song. They, they said they had to have it, you know. So that's what I feed off of, you know. It's not just keeping up with the current music. But when you go back and you go back and grab a song that you know was hot way back when you was playing it, you know, six, seven years ago. But when you dust that baby off and play it and you get a response like that, you know you got to start back to playing it. That's something I, I find uh, I really enjoy about public radio and probably not alone, obviously, by the popularity of, of the, the show. Um, that, you know, music's a way of having a conversation about creating emotions, about telling a story, all right, of those, those right. sort of uh, those sort of things. And, <laughs> and some of the best is, is, is timeless music. You right, know, right. I, I can't say that about all the music that I personally played right, as a DJ. Right. I mean, I, I started off by um, listening to, to hip-hop and other, other right, type of music, right. uh, uh, probably before getting into electronic music. Right. A lot of that music is is really tied to oh, a couple yeah. of years and right. it has not aged well at right, all right, but thankfully right. I, i'm actually going and rebuying some of my original hip-hop and, right. and other records that i i had from from um 25 years ago now i've got a turntable again and uh uh that music is still great and, right. and but so, so anyway there's 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 uh, some power in music that is can be timeless right right and uh you've certainly tapped into that in your in your repertoire about Right. So it's, it's if we're kind of compiling a list of what makes a really good DJ, it's that expensive knowledge of stories you oh, mentioned, yeah. but the, oh, the, yeah. the catalog and and right. when to bring something back and right, when. right, right. It, it's you know it, it, it it's to me, it's like you just get a a feel for when the time is right, you know, to pick a, a CD or a record up, you know, or just you know most of the time now we got it programmed on our laptops, you know, and stuff. Uh, but when you go back, well, you, you, you go back, you want to go back with something that that you feel like was relatable, you know. And, and that's what makes me select the songs that I play, you know. So I, and then the other part is I don't try to make my show be like nobody else's show. I want to be different and, and just just feel loose and be myself, you know. And that's why I compare the music to it's relatable to cooking to me you know because i when i'm cooking you know if i'm mixing up some gumbo or something well i'm listening to music and you know and i'm just grooving and everything and a song might pop in my mind you know and i say i gotta play that you know again you know and that's how i pick the songs that i just be doing things and it just come to me and i said well tuesday i gotta put that on you know, and then I wait to see how the crowd gonna do. You know, well versus my listeners. You know, when I say crowd, uh, you know, you, I, I don't develop this concept where I don't have to be looking to know I got a crowd. I don't have to see them with my eyes. I mean, I can feel it. You know, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a surreal experience. Um, for my short time, uh, probably a year, presenting a, a segment on the show. Uh, uh, to think people are listening out there and and. Uh, in real time you know we're, we're kind of doing something a little bit similar with this podcast in a different format but people are listening in all different times and places to right. but to to something that we're, we're creating here at this moment um right. the, i kind of want to ask why was lying so popular a song about lying is that a well, comment on our political system at the moment or is well, it just uh, a well, good the, song that had the, the thing about uh 
you know, with blues, you know, and uh, soul music, you know, well, you know, it's music about the soul, you know, and just opening up and sharing your story, you know, whether it's good or bad, you sharing that story, you know, that message with the world, you know, and what I found out, like one of the great, great, perhaps one of the greatest, I say that, Bobby Blue Bland, his style was more related to speaking about women and the love of a woman, uplifting women, you know, versus a guy like Marvin Cease, you know. I mean, he was talking about cheating, messing with other people, women, you know, lying, getting caught, getting out of it, you know, cheating again, you know, lying some more, you know, because the blues and soul music, Cheating and lying, they run together. And a lot of stories, man, I mean, it's about heartbreak. Right. It's similar to, you know, country music. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, you, you're either loving somebody too much or either you're just hurting people. It's about, it, it's very emotional, yeah. you know. And you're just sharing this with, you're not keeping it inside. And, you know, and a lot of doctors will tell you that, it's best to let stuff out, let somebody know, talk about it, and then release that pressure, you know. And and so that's why, you know, the cheating and, and lying music is just, I mean, it, they ask about it because that's what they do, you know. But everybody tell you, now, I want you to play this song, you know, and it's like uh, uh, this guy named T.K. Soul from Louisiana. He got a song called Cheating and Lying. I've heard it on the show. Yeah, you know. And that's all it is, you know. I mean, it's glorifying cheating and lying. I, I was scratching my I'm glad you've mentioned this because I was right. scratching my head and I'm like, why is so much of this music about cheating and lying? But it's and so uh, uh, passionate. And I guess that evokes emotion in people. And, and maybe Brit, it's, it's a lot of cheating and lying going on, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's like, why, why do people watch the Jerry Springer show? Right, right, right. It's cheating and lying, you know. Why do they watch the Housewives? It's cheating and lying, you know. Now, you you get a good talk show, uh, you know, where people is telling the truth and talking about current issues, you know. Uh, the cheating and lying people ain't going to look at that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they want to hear about who cheating and who lying. You know, that, they, they love that, you know. So that, that's what it is. But everybody always say, I don't cheat and I don't lie, but they tune into it. Maybe some people, whether they're telling the truth or not about the lying <laughs> We don't worry about that. We, we don't know, but either <laughs> it makes them, it consoles them because they've experienced it or right. they feel happy because they, right. they don't right. believe they're in that situation or they're not in that situation. Right. Of We're sitting here in your home studio at the moment and this right. place, uh, you could sell tickets to come in here <laughs> as, a, as a museum and, and someone who, who loves music, I right. uh, um, I, I'm, I'm very fidgety at the moment. I want to get up and leap through your records <laughs> and, 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 and look at the history uh, right. of music that is surrounding right. us here. Where did your love of music come from? How far back does that go? And, and um, Well, it, uh, it, it came about uh, when I was in high school. Uh, well, not that, well, the DJing part came back when I was, you know, came about when I was in high school. But the love for the music, uh, that uh that came from when I was a young boy uh in my early teen years uh my mother and father they used to have card games you know where they you know with with our relatives and friends you know and uh they would make all us go in the back you know and stay in the room but I was very curious and I always got where I could hear the music playing you know and uh they called me you know. I mean, I, I thought I was getting away with something, but my daddy told me he knew I had been listening to the music and, you know, kind of disobeying his orders because we didn't supposed to be listening to it. But anyway, what it did is, uh, like I said, uh, you know, like when they had the eight tracks, you know, you, you remember those, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, anyway. I think uh, I saw one in the museum. <laughs> yeah, and we got <laughs> some in on end, you know, and I got some here too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, what it was was that uh, they bought me a brand new stereo, and uh, it was a Zenith stereo system. You remember Zenith? 
Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big yeah, brand, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So if you had a Zenith back then, it was you, you was a man, you know. And so, but when they would have me to listen to the music, it was O.V. Wright, Al Green, you know, Percy Sled, you know. I mean, all these blues people, you know, that was that was what my dad and them liked to listen to, and that's what I started out listening to. And uh, I just developed a love for that music, you know. And uh, once I I uh, got a little older and got in high school, well, uh, a club owner had a problem at his club. He fired his DJ, you know, on one of the biggest nights on Saturday night. And uh, my daddy was telling him, you know, well, you can't find nobody to DJ tonight. My son got a brand new stereo we bought him. And uh, he got all kind of music now because what I started doing was you know, my little spending money, I would go and buy an album or something, you know. So I, I paid $35 for an O.V. Wright album, you know. And uh, so, I mean, you can see I developed, you know, a love for it. And uh, the guy uh, asked my dad to come pick me up and bring my equipment, you know. And all I had was just a home stereo. But I, I went to the club, and I that was my first time DJing in a club. And uh, been doing it ever since, you know. And so that was in uh, like 70, right around 76, 75, 76, right in that area. So I've been DJing for a number, of, a number yeah. of years since then. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, just as you're speaking, I'm thinking again about the difference between a you know, a club DJ and a, and, and a radio DJ versus what you listen to at home and a love of music. Because right. for, for me, I, I certainly see what you do as a DJ as a, as a job with a specific outcome, oh, yeah. which was to play music for people to dance right, to right. and, and, and to, to make them have, uh, right. allow them to have a good time. You right. know? And that's, right. that was the objective of that. And, right. and whereas sometimes on the radio, it's introducing people to new music and sometimes at home, it's what you feel like listening right. to. But right. I, you know, I almost feel like, I, I think you need to like music uh, to be oh, a yeah. DJ, oh, yeah. but being a yeah. DJ is a very specific thing to, to a club DJ particularly is a very specific thing to do. And, and um, I think um, I, in my own experience, played a lot of current music at clubs right, right. but my real love of music right. came after i'd been a, a, a dj because right. i actually went back I, I rather than music that was made a month ago or right, a right. few months ago right. um i was going back and back and back to the the roots of music right yeah yeah you know, I, I feel like to be you know to be good at it you know you you have to you know have it in your in your soul you know uh, you, you can do a lot of jobs, you know, it's like you might go to work on a job because you got to feed your family. You might hate that job, but you know you got to go to work because you got to have money to pay your bills, take care of your family, you know. But for as uh, DJing, you know, I mean, you, you got to have a love for music, you know, and uh, and just love it, you know. I mean, and I that's why I, I like a whole lot, of, a whole lot of genres of music, you know, not just one set, you know. Cause I mean, I, I can get here and I can just play uh, Aaron Neville, you know. I can wake up on a Sunday morning playing Aaron Neville, you know. I mean, I mean, I love that music. Then I might want to hear some Johnny Cash, you know. That's another one I grew up on, you know. I mean, it's just stuff like that, man. It's just. You, you, you don't get locked in and you learn a lot and you see how the music is related, you know, like country music and blues and all that. It's, it's tied into each other. The gospel, you know, it, it's, it's all tied in there. You know, you can find the connection if you love music and, and just do your research. Yeah. Just building on the, on the point of um, let's pick Johnny Cash and the, how music is so connected, I think you could wake up play the first same first record johnny right, cash right, and go in a right, million different directions right, for your right, second different right, record right. and have a completely different journey right. experience right you, you're so right and it would still be joined up yeah and speaking of that you know uh for uh we got a a pastor that does a, a morning show he used to be on tuesday morning uh reverend barnett and uh he used to come on before i did and uh for about six or seven years 
my first song was B.B. King, The Thrill Is Gone. Uh, you know, song. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was an American standard. B.B. King, I mean, everybody knew when they turned their radio on, that's Louisiana Red coming. The Thrill Is Gone, you know. Remember Barnett going off now, because The Thrill Is Gone is on. And the thing about it, the pastor loved the song. You know, and uh, my, it's my youngest son right there. He was in, uh, he was in, what, junior high? And uh, he could have wrote about anything in the world that he wanted to write about, you know, doing the essay. But you know what he wrote about? He wrote about B.B. King, the life history of B.B. King. And the thing about it, what, what, what made me feel so good is that he didn't go to the library and get no book or nothing. He sat down and he talked to me, you know, and because he, he came up just like I did. He listened to the music that I played when me and my wife would have friends over. And he knew a lot about B.B. King, but the rest of it, he got it from me, you know. So he did good on that, that essay. Right, yeah, right, right. right. But you got to write about something you're right. passionate about and interested yeah. in. But, I mean, after I played that B.B. King to open up, well, like you said, it opened up. I mean, anything, I, any direction I wanted to go in, I could go there because I had put one of the – America's greatest songs of all time, The Thrill Is Gone. That song covers from little bitty babies to people in their hundreds. On that topic, what are your other go-to, a couple of go-to songs? And we're talking about maybe well, you can pick Club DJ or on the radio oh, yeah. or something. Oh, What's yeah. your uh, go, practical go-to record that you know is going to set things up oh for i success. love johnny taylor's music man which you can see i got johnny taylor all the world dedicated yeah i mean you know johnny taylor was the man you know i mean uh he, he did this song called still still got the blues you know still you know i mean you, you can go to johnny you know and uh a lot of times when you go you can go with the songs uh they might not have been the songs that they got the most money from but they would they appeal to people in certain areas, you know. And he got one that called "Running Out of Life." I mean, you can put that song on with. I mean, it's a slow song, but you can put that song on any time, and the people stop doing whatever they're doing, and they start singing along. I mean, that's one that you you can just go to it if you're looking for something to play and can't find it. You can put that song on. And, and, and find what you're looking for. It's running out of lies. Never see that go that word again, don't it? Lies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 I'll put a link to that in the show notes so people can, can do their own uh, right, right. for themselves. Where did you come up with your DJ name? Was it you or did someone else give you the name? As, as no, I did that myself. Uh, you know, when I was in, uh, I went to college at Grambling State University uh, and uh they had this guy from New Orleans. He used to call me Little Red, you know. And my mother's red like me, you know. And so all, all my friends, you know, they caught on to what he was saying, you know. And and, and it just stuck, you know, Little Red, you know. And everybody called me Little Red, you know. And in the music business, you know, I started my own music production company. And I called it Little Red's Production, you know. And uh, everything I done, I referred to myself. I started referring to myself as Lil Red, you know, because that's what everybody called me. A lot of people never even knew my name, you know. They just knew Lil Red, you know. I want to take my car to get it fixed at Lil Red's shop, you know. Well, Lil Red and them going to be singing at, you know, this place. You know, a rap group going to be over here. But I said, well, I got to get something different, you know. And I said, well, I'm from Louisiana, you know, and I'm Red. So... I just said, well, I'm going to go with Louisiana Red, going to be my radio name. And that's what I did. But I had a, a guy, I done a little research on, on Louisiana Red, and it was a guy from Alabama. Uh, and uh, he was called uh, Louisiana Red, Louisiana Guitar Red, you know, and everybody, you know, some people say, well, that name is already taken. But I said, if you look at it, he was a guitar player and a songwriter, you know, and it's Louisiana Guitar Red. But my name is DJ Louisiana Red. But I incorporated into my catering and everything. It's Louisiana Red. 
So, but what I did, I had to do something to make my name stand out. Yeah. You know, so that's why everything I do, I want to make sure you know which loops I'm ready to Right, right. Yeah. You know, I always try and research my guests a little bit. And for somebody who thousands of people tune into every right, week and, and right. you've been around for so long, right. you're a mis- an enigma online <laughs> and the, the online. We talked a little bit before the show right, about right. it as well. Like, um, there's a lot of people in the in the world that are shouting themselves out from the that are doing nothing uh, uh, value but apart from right. self promotion, and I was amazed. At, um, I was excited to talk to you because I I didn't find a lot about you online, right. even though people have known you for for years. Oh, yeah. And you've got a show, a really popular show on right. public radio that lots right. of people listen to. Right. Do you get into character to be Louisiana Red, or have you just been that person for so long? It's who well, you are. I don't personally, but a lot of times uh, over the years, uh, like some of my friends, they might be having some people over at their house or whatever. Uh, and uh, it came, you know, felt kind of strange to me the first time uh, one of my friends asked me, you know, he said, won't you come, when you and your wife come over, you know, we're having a little barbecue or a little get together, you know. He said, but uh, when you come over, don't be Louisiana Red, you know, just, just, just be yourself. And uh, I found that kind of awkward, you know, that he asked me that because what what happens is that people want to be around you and they want to, you know, they, they want to spend time with you. They want to let people know that they know you. So that was the reason for the invitation. But at the same time, he didn't want the evening to be all about me, you know. So, I mean, I understood, you know, and everything. I said, but I can't turn off who I am, you know. But see, I don't do a lot of talking about, I let other people do the talking. You know, I, that's why you say you don't see a whole lot of stuff about me. Well, I don't take time to, you know, to, to try to make, you know, myself be some great person. I'm just a regular old guy, you know, and I let, you know, my my work speak for me, you know. Yeah. And I think that's a, a great approach. I was so excited and, and, and I'm excited to be talking to you now, um, given that, you know, not everything that's overexposed is good. Right, <laughs> right, you right, know, There's right. a lot of good things, even right. in 2017. Right, right. Yeah, a lot of people overdo it and they they they, 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 they Facebook hero, you know, uh, social media hero. I don't try to overdo that, you know, and I definitely don't claim to be something that I'm not. You know, like I say, I just take it as, as it is. You know, when people show me appreciation and love, I mean, that that's that's what I want. You know, it, it's not so much uh, about, you know, the money aspect and all that. Uh, and that's what have kept me and Ked on in so long is because I had a luxury to play the music that I want to play and target my audience instead of some corporate guy yeah. giving me a list and telling me I gotta play everything on this list. I mean, that's what I love about doing what I do, you know, is the freedom, you know. I thought it was the millions of dollars that came away. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 if you know a little research about K-N-O-N, you know it ain't the money that keeps us there. You, you gotta love what you do, you know. Yeah. But quite uh, on that note though, um, it's like me and my boss, man, Mr. Day Chaos. We talked about this uh, many, many years ago. You know, uh, a lot of things that that I do make money from, it has came from me being on the radio. Right, right, right. You know, right. and so when, when when people say, you know, that you know, you you don't you're not doing it for the money, you know, and everything. I'm doing it because I love the music, you know, and I go in and substitute for other people, you know, whenever they need me, I try to be there, you know, and and that's what I've done for 20 years. But at the same time, I wouldn't sit here and, 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 and tell you no lie that that I make money, you know, I mean, because people ask me the whole show, just like they do everybody sure, else. Sure. Like if they ask Tim Ryan on Channel 4 to come and host a, a show, it's because they see him on Channel 4 News. You know, they wouldn't be calling him if he was just Tim Ryan. Right. You know, and had a nine to five. You know, they calling him because he's Tim Ryan on Channel 4, Fox News. And that's the same way I get called. You know, people say, I want you to host an event for General Motors. You know, I, I want you to DJ for a carpet party that we have. It's because of my reputation 
on KNON Radio. And I thank KNON for the many years that I've been there. You know, I really do. Do you just want to talk a little bit about the pledge drive? So how you stay? How do you stay on the radio on public well, radio? Well, the thing is, like I said, you have to target, you know, and build your audience, you know. And uh, when it takes, like especially nowadays with things not, you know, people not making that much money or doing that good, a lot of people on fixed income, but they still set aside twenty or thirty dollars every three months, you know, to make that donation to my show. I mean, that's that's real big, you know. And, and you know, when you look at it, well, a lot of the people, you know, say, well, I, I got three or four, five hundred dollar pledges or whatever. That's good when you can get those. It's good when you can get somebody to pledge a thousand dollars. But the people that are really, really important to me is that person that's on fixed income. And they, they pledge ten dollars, twenty dollars, thirty dollars, you know. That means a lot to me. You know, because all that add up. It all adds up and it makes me think a little right. bit about, um, you know, various things that have happened in politics and different approaches oh, to that yeah. as well oh, versus yeah. like oh, yeah. a people power type approach rather right. than a, um, you know, a kind of money rich approach um, right. to, to it. Talk a little bit about your your journey. I mean, you haven't always been a full-time DJ. You talked about oh, in no, high school no. becoming that. What else have you done? Well, uh, like I said, when I came out of high school in 76, I uh, I went to work at uh, uh, a place, uh, a chemical plant where they pro- uh, produced uh, anhydrous ammonia, which is uh, you know fertilizer. You know, it's, it's just saying a fertilizer plant. You say where they made anhydrous yeah. ammonia. You know, and that stuff would blind you. You know, and everything forgot in your eyes and everything. So I worked there for for 13 months. You know, after I came out of college. And uh, they, uh, you know, like I said, things were pretty rough back then. So they had a, a a seniority layoff. So that, you know about that, that's the last one hired, first one fired, you know. But they, uh, they didn't fire us, but that's the way you got laid off was according to your seniority, uh, which was the time that you've been working now. So I filled in that number, you know. I was really the last one you know, to uh, to be laid off, which was a good thing, you know, because I had some friends in my community. Uh, had a young man by the name of Fred Carr, and uh, he was a, a supervisor I know of field down the Gulf, you know, and uh, on the Louisiana side, you know, if you ever heard of Grand Isle or some of that stuff, little small towns, you know, as far as you can go, you can drive your car, and the next thing you do, you got to get in a helicopter on a boat. You know, the little towns you never would know, you know. But anyway, he was a supervisor out there and, uh, you know, helped me get the job and everything, you know. And so I worked in the oil field for Phyllis Petroleum, you know. And that's what I done first. And I was what you call a, a roustabout. That means just like a, a helper, uh, you know, to assist the mechanic, you know. And, uh, my grandfather, my mother's dad, was already a mechanic, so I had good knowledge about cars, you know, and working on cars. And so it was a great asset to me. And uh, I worked with a guy, under a guy named uh, uh, Brian, and uh, he was a master technician. You know, we worked on 1,200cc engines, you know, that was a big engine, you know, to help, you know, move the gas and, and all through the pipeline and everything, you know. And he was from Guatemala, you know. So I, I met basically all the good jobs I've had, they were where I, I met people, you know, from other countries and everything, you know. And he was a Guatemalan man. I learned a whole lot about Guatemala, you know. And everybody think that Guatemalans and Mexicans are the same people. But, I mean, you, you, you can't say to a Guatemalan man, you can't call him a Mexican. You, you, you just can't do that. But anyway, we would develop a real good relationship, you know. And like I say, it was all walks of people out there in the oil field that I worked with, you know. And so we stayed out there 10 days, you know. We worked 10 days and we was out 10 days. So it was like a beautiful thing, man. I traveled the country, man, when I was off, you know, and everything. So, you know, and then uh, I had got promoted, you know, and went up the ladder, you know. And, and uh, 
my uh, field supervisor, the one that was over Fred Carr, uh, he uh, recommended to me that my time was up in the oil field. He said, you done advanced us, you know, next thing you finna have to get one of our job, and we ain't finna give them up, you know right. what I'm saying? And so uh, he told me about, you know, that what he saw in me as a young man, you know, ambitious and everything, is that you need to go on land and start your own business. You know, so I moved to Dallas and uh, I went to work for John Eagle Honda on Lemon Avenue. And I worked out for a while and then uh, I started to work. Well, I DJed at night. I worked at the Honda dealership and I DJed at night, you know. And uh, it was it was real good. I mean, it was an experience you never forget. I, I DJed on a strip club, you know. And that, that you can imagine that's very interesting, you know. But I, it took a while getting adjusted, you know, to doing that type of DJing. But I got, you know, I always studied things, you know, and I, I got on to it and became very good at it, you know. And uh, I went on and got my mechanic shop in Garland, Texas, you know, and that became a very, very uh, successful thing for me, you know, and that's helped me be, you know, visible in the community and everything and you know i worked on people cars you know and just people entrusted me with their vehicles and everything you know and, and uh you know i came down with uh with cancer a few years ago you know multiple myeloma you know which is bone marrow cancer and uh so now i can't i can't do that kind of work no more you know because i can't pick up nothing over 20 pounds you know and so and uh you know just just a journey through life man god God has shown me that uh, it's other ways to make money. So I guess, you know, just it was my time, you know, doing that mechanic work and all that. So it's opened up other doors, you know, because like I say, I do I do food catering, you know, and uh, and uh, I manage, uh, you know, rap groups over the years. You know, I still have a great relationship with, with those guys because they all successful business people now. And uh, they they thank me for, you know, taking the time and you know and showing them about business and everything, man. And uh, so it, it, it's just that if you believe, you know, in, in, in yourself, it's amazing what you can do, you know. And uh, basically, I work from home now, you know. And uh, it, if you got you know self-discipline. Cause you gotta have self discipline, you know, to be able to work for yourself, you know, and and it's, it's what God done blessed me to do now, you know. I enjoyed on your show, and thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, sometimes you you get a sense of I've never met you before today, but right, um, you right. know, you get to hear somebody on the radio, and and uh, you're not just playing the blues; you've lived a life, mate, oh, and, yeah. and and there was something that. Um, that was very real about that and, right. and and something that i found very uh in, inspiring and and uh, you were really top of mind uh, you know the first right. person I, I, I was really interested to hear your story and just kind of right. go, well, what what is giving you that um perspective on, on on life um to kind of love the people you're with and your community and and make right. the most out of life and, the, and and your time i think one one show really just stayed with me one of right. the earlier shows that i right. left a lasting impression on on right. uh, given all of this i don't want to just simplify it too much but right. what, what's your you've done so much and been through so much what what are your your life lessons out of this I and mean, what do you try and pass on to the listeners or your family or other people that Look up well, to you as a mentor. Or well, the the first thing, man, is that I have to give. Uh, I have to give. Uh, you know, like when people ask you, you know, who is you know, your role model or whatever, you know. So I would have to say uh, my father, my dad, you know, because I watched him, you know, uh, do a lot of things for the elderly people in the community and everything, you know. Uh, you know, he would go and pick people up, you know, like people that was old, you know. And, well, I say old, but I mean, you know, senior citizens, you know, at the time, you know. Because I used to think everybody, you know, if you got me 50 years old, you were done, you know. I mean, that was my attitude. I was young, you know. And uh, like I said, now I'm 59. But I watched my daddy go and pick up people, you know, older people, 
in the community, you know, take them shopping, you know, and, you know, they were just getting that, you know, fixed income, you know, and they didn't have no way to get around. He would go and take them to the store, you know, and like I said, go grocery shopping and stuff like that, you know, and, and, and my mom would always say, you know, why do you do that, you know, and he just said, you know, he just wanted to help people, you know, and, uh, and, and I watched him find joy in what he was doing, helping those people, you know. He would never charge them nothing, you know, but they would always slip him something, you know, stick something in his pocket, you know, and everything for appreciation, you know. And I said, well, that's that's a good quality right there, you know. And uh, sometimes he would bring a, a few of the people over, you know, they didn't have no wife or no family members that were doing anything for them. So my mom always cooked, you know, we always cooked, you know, more than what, you know, we needed, you know. Just, it's like back then we were growing up, they were cooking up just in case somebody came back, you know. And uh, I watched them do that, let those people, you know, get something to eat, man, a good meal and take them back home and everything. And I just developed a love for people, you know. And uh, I did a, a feeding of the homeless people uh, several years ago, you know, over in South Dallas, you know. And that was at the time when I was running a club you know, and everything, and I I just announced to everybody and put the word out that I was going to be feeding all the homeless for Thanksgiving, and it just spread like wildfire, but it brought so much joy to me, you know, as a man, you know, when you see that you don't help people, and, and I did a little bit of work in nursing homes, you know, just for a short period of time, you know, because my wife works in that field, you know, she needed somebody to come and uh assist her so I went to help her in the kitchen but they they turned they saw the quality that I had and uh they asked me to be like over the activities you know and just all I did was help the people play cards sit up a card table a domino you know and just sit down and talk to them and play music and talk about the blues and what I do on the radio all this stuff was going on I was still on the radio you know and uh I mean, they would just be so excited. Louisiana Red is sitting right here playing them. They would call their people and let them know that I was there. And sometimes I fired up the barbecue pit, smoked meat for them, played music. Man, we just, I mean, it was just the joy that I saw that I was bringing to those people live. And a lot of those people, they, they loved ones that stuck them there, you know, just waiting on them to pass, you know. I mean, they stick them in there and leave them, you know. So they didn't have nobody to come see them or nothing, man. And just the compassion that I have for the elderly, you know, I just feel like, well, this this what I I need to do. You know, I feel like my dad is proud of me, you know, mm -hmm. looking down on me, you know, just, you know, just acknowledging, you know, I mean, you know, you learn something from his son. You know, I think that's what he's saying, yeah. That's a, a special message and, you know, parents, um, we all uh, created an impression with our kids, either good right. or bad, right. and that sticks with them from a lifetime. Uh, and on the show so far, I mean, there's, we've had examples of both, I guess, right. and uh, just being aware of that even. You know, my kids are one and three years old at the right. moment, but even so, right. they're just getting to that right. age where they, yeah. you can tell that they already are observing right. Right. what you do and how you do it, right. how you talk to other people, whether right. you treat people with respect. Right, or, or exactly, whatever. exactly. So now I want to talk about Dallas a little bit. And uh, right. first impressions, we talked a little bit uh, about that. So let's go first impressions and then maybe uh, a little bit more about the heart and soul of Dallas as you'd uh, explain it to other people. Oh, yeah. When I first moved here back in, uh, you know, uh, 85, well, I found a reason to go home back to Louisiana. I mean, every weekend, I mean, I mean, every, I mean, every weekend, well, you know, we got off on Friday evening, man. I mean, we was we, we was prepared to head to I-20 East, you know, because I feel like Dallas, I, I hadn't gave Dallas time, you know. I mean, I thought everything was back in Louisiana. Why did I even move to Dallas? You know, but I knew I moved out here because the job market in Louisiana had just went down, you know, and everything. And so I was trying to make uh, uh, Dallas my home. But I stayed about three months, you know, and then I went on back to Louisiana, you know, and and uh, the job market had got worse, you know. So I came back to Dallas in about three months, you know. 
So in between time, you know, I've done a lot of different things. You know, uh, I worked uh, with a friend of my daddy's, uh, you know, he had his own bricklaying business, you know. And, you know, and so I, I worked with him for a while, you know, because me and his sons were very good friends, you know. And uh, I tried that, you know, and he, he told me something, man, that, that stuck with me in life. You know, he said, you done learned how to do all these little odds and end jobs I got in the business out here. He said, only thing left for you now is my job. He said, you're going to have to go on, you know, and find you something else to do. But at the time, I thought that was kind of cold. But, but what he was doing was he was letting me know that I was a lot like him. I was a, I was a boss, you know. I didn't need to be working for nobody. I needed to have people working for me, you know. And, and see, people see other qualities in you that you don't even know, you know. So I moved back to Dallas, and like I said, you know, I went to work for John Eagle Hunter, you know, and that was a, an experience that I really needed, you know, to start my own mechanic business, you know. So everything, you know, I mean, in my at that time, I had a little girlfriend, you know, and all that, and I. I guess I caught myself in love or something, you know. So that was the other reason why I was burning 20 up, you know. So, but, you know, you learn a lot of you know. You know, when you're young, you know, you just think. But after a while, you know, the relationship went downhill. And I started realizing that Dallas had some beautiful women, you know. And uh, I just slowed down, stopped going home to Louisiana so much, and looked around and seen what Dallas had. You know, and now I'm married to an East Texas girl, you know, from Silver Spring, Texas, you know. And, and uh, it's just so many opportunities here in Dallas, you know. It, it's so many opportunities in Dallas, you can pretty much be what you want to be. You know, you just have to be dedicated. I mean, it's a city of opportunity, you know. And, of course, we got the world-famous Dallas Cowboy. What is this place called Dallas? I mean, how do you explain it to somebody um you have people listening around the world on this podcast you know what are you going to find here people have heard about the cowboys they might have seen their tv show and right. they might be thinking about right. the job but right. what is, what's the the essence of it i think for the individual you know depends on where they're moving from uh dallas is a a unique place in, in a way that uh it's just you can get in where you fit in you know I mean, if you like the nightlife, they got something for you to do. You know, you can go out every night of the week if you want to in Dallas, you know. And uh, if you just want to be laid back, you know, you can just pick a nice area to live in, you know. And you can just pretty much be here and, 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 and be unknown if you want to, you know, if you want to live, you know, like that, you know. And uh, it, it's what you make out of, it, you know. That, that's what I like about Dallas, you know. Uh, a lot of people, you know, just need a second chance in life, you know. Uh, it's like you just need a new start, you know, and, you know, it's it's something here, especially like for families to move, you know, because, like I say, there's a variety of different things here, you know, for all ages, you know. So if you want to make a, a city your home, Dallas is a good place, you know, because, it's held me here, you know, for all these years. I mean, you can pick up and move anytime you feel like it. And a lot of times, you know, we'll we'll say, you know, we, we don't like it or whatever, but once you think about everything, man, and realize, uh, I've been here all these years, man, because I done fell in love with Dallas. You know, I mean, it, it didn't come overnight. But now when I, you know, talk to people about moving, well, I mean, I tell them that it's, it's a good job market, you know, and if you really want to work, you can find work. You know, now, if a, people on a, if a person unemployed in Dallas is because they want to be, you know, because you can find something, you know, to do. You know, there's plenty of people hiring, you know, and everything. So, and then the cost of living is not that high, you know. It, you know, and you sort of like, if you got people on the East Coast or the West Coast, you know, Dallas is kind of right in the middle, you know. So it's a good good place to be. Is there anything in terms of um, current projects that you're working on or anything else that you want the listeners to hear about? Well, uh, 
I'm getting ready to uh, to do a, a 20 year anniversary that I've been working on uh, at KNON for you know 20 years, and I never saw that coming. But we're gonna be doing a 20 year anniversary uh, September the 15th at Port Davis Pub, you know, uh, right there on Lamar, and that's that's right there in the area where the old Sears Tower used to be, you know. So if anybody live here in this area, been here. You know where Sears was, you know, well, that's the area, you know, and uh, it's just that I feel like I've dedicated a lot of my time and service to KNON, and uh, we've been good for each other, you know, like a marriage, you know, so, I mean, it's it's been a good thing, you know, and uh, that's the big thing that I'm working on, you know, and like I said, I just, just got finished on the uh, – a tribute to the late great Mr. Johnny Taylor, you know, which was from Crawfordville, Arkansas. But he saw the same thing a lot of people see. That was a good place to make home. You know, you could just fly out of here or drive out of here, go anywhere you wanted to go, man. But Dallas, he made Dallas his home, you know. And uh, I've been doing that, you know, just, you know, to, to show uh, the ultimate entertainer that Johnny Taylor was, you know. And uh, I I picked him because I had a personal relationship with him, you know, when he was living, you know, and everything, you know. And so he uh, he told me a whole lot of different things about the business, you know, especially as being a, a, a club owner and uh, a radio job, you know. He, you know, he, he explained to me that a lot of people, you know, in your family, you know, they might tell you, you know, you don't pick the wrong business or whatever, you know. And, but you have to follow your heart. And if that's what's true in your heart, stick with it. Don't let nobody turn you away from it. If that's in your heart and that's what you want to do, you know, you stick with it. You know, don't let nobody take that from you. You know, because you're in control of your own destiny. You know, and uh, say, you know, especially in the nightclub business, you know, it's going to be ups and downs, you know. You might have a full house this week, you know, might be empty seats next week, but you gotta stay with it. If you love it, you'll stay with it and find a way to make it work. You know, so I think that was some good advice, you know. And and I just I mean, when I first heard Johnny Taylor's music, I always felt like it was it was something that made me feel good, you know. It's like he was just a great storyteller, you know, and so that's why I keep doing the Johnny Taylor tribute, you know. And uh I got to thank Kid on him for giving me that avenue to do it, you know. So uh, I got that coming up, you know, and uh, it's just uh, we do a lot of, you know, uh, carpet parties and everything. But uh, when when the Lord spared my life, you know, because I, the counselor that I had, I didn't supposed to live, you know, and so he blessed me. But uh, like I was saying, the things I do with the elderly people and the, and the kids, you know, because I, I got grandkids. I got 10 grandkids. But I just love working with kids, you know. And, uh, you know, just, you know, trying to keep them on the right track, you know, and everything. So I'm, uh, I got plans, you know, that's in process right now on uh, starting my own foundation, you know. And uh, it's going to be the, to uplift, you know, you know, underprivileged kids, you know. And uh, just to try to preserve the, uh, the the remaining years of our elderly people, you know, and sort of just bring that together, you know. That that's what my my upcoming project is. Yeah, and I feel like that'll that'll bless and help a whole lot of people. What about um, any other final? Uh, closing words or uh, I think there's been some great advice here already is there anything else any final words you want to leave um, with the listeners well uh, I just uh, just want you know want to share with people man just believe in yourself you know because uh, it ain't nothing you can't do you know if you put your mind to it you know and just you know like I said be be, be disciplined and, and uh, just stay on top of your game you know and you have to be uh, it's like in the in the music business right now, we're going through some changes, you know, so you got to change with the time, you know. 
You don't have to give in to it, but you got to learn how to work with the younger people, you know, and, and don't always try to think that you know everything because we are, no matter how old we are, we can still learn. And, and a lot of stuff I learned from my grandkids, you know. I mean, I found that to be one of the best ways to stay in touch and bridge that gap between where my son, my youngest son is, you know, he's in his, you know, early years, but, you know, just really fully developing into a, a young man, you know. You know, he got a family, you know, kids, you know. But then I got uh, my daughter, you know, she got a couple of kids, one of them, and then one got uh, another child, one on the way, you know. But the thing that I try to tell them is just find something that you love to do, you know, and, and, and put your heart in and, and it'll take care of you and your family, you know. That That's my advice. And I really appreciate you, uh, you know, for taking the time. And and I really thank your wife. I never met her, but thank her for turning the radio in the car on 89.3. No, we never would have had this chance to talk to each other. But I find you very interesting, man, and I'm glad to see you doing what you're doing. And I wish you much, much success, you know. And uh, what you have done has inspired me, you know. And uh, that's what we learn, man. We can learn from everybody. So, I, you know, I, I'll be listening to you and uh, just checking out what you do, man, because of your attitude and your approach. You know, you, you don't push people. You, you let everything develop and take its time, man. I'm, I'm real glad you was interested in me enough to hear my story. Well, that's very humble. And um, thanks so much for joining us today. DJ Louisiana Red. All right. Thank you so much.